this out a star trek podcast um this week we will be talking about episodes five six and seven um discussing and digesting your feedback um and a little bit of general star trek shenanigans um we're just kind of plugging the gap in that mid-season break until discovery comes back i'm joined today by my favorite favorite hosts Lindsay, hi and suki hello and you're unfortunately stuck with me, Andrea. Um, so, um, obviously, we're in a bit of a gap here. Um, we've got some feedback from listeners. Um, is there any Star Trek news, general general things from the week? Um, I, like, I, think, I think compared to last week, where we had all the news in the world about all the new Star Trek that was coming, this week has been quite quiet. Wasn't... Uh... Uh, what's his name? Patrick Stewart announcing uh, that this is going to be the f- final season of uh, Picard as well. Season three will be the final season. And that they'd planned it like that as a three season arc, and that was it. I, I yeah. think I knew that though. And I don't know if I've just made that up or if it's just from speculation, but I was like, yeah, no, like that's not a surprise. Um, I, I think they said right at the start that they had they were doing a three season thing. And I can understand why Patrick Stewart would have come on and been like, yes, I'm signing up to do this, but I'm signing up very specifically for a set amount of whatever. Because um, he's not as young as he once was. Um, and I think knowing that you're doing three seasons is a, is a, is a, is a big commitment, but it's also enough of a commitment, I think. But yes, no doubt there has been a load of people on the internet screaming and going, oh, Picard's a failure. They're cancelling it after only three seasons. I'm not, I've not seen that. I've not seen that. I've just seen them. Uh, they're happy that they're getting three seasons. But I'm also. Um... <coughs> oh dear me! I do apologise. <laughs> I'm having a coffee fit. Somebody else continue. Suki's <laughs> dying in the corner now. Um, He'll be yes, fine. He will be fine. Hopefully, he will resurrect himself, or we'll just watch him pass out and, and not survive, and we'll have to like phone somebody who knows his family to like come and get him i, I was worrying we'd have to edit the podcast <laughs> you know. i'm like who do i know that would have a number for suki's lovely wife yeah okay i'm back i'm back i'm back oh, <laughs> you can't dear. edit that out now though <laughs> no, I, I can't i oh, know i now can't edit it out. no i can't um what was i gonna anyway. say there's some uh card three seasons oh yeah the crew do you think, even with uh, Patrick Stewart actually leaving, do you think they might continue with the show, just using the uh, the crew without Patrick Stewart? So Call it would it be like else. Taggart without Taggart. Oh, <laughs> Scottish reference. <laughs> I was trying to think of another example of that, but I couldn't, because the only other example I could think of was Murder, She Wrote, when Jessica Fletcher stopped being like, she, like it would be like Angela Lansbury doing the intro and then she wouldn't be in it and it was awful. And I thought that was a bad analogy. Um, I think if they do that, they'll do it as a spin-off. Yeah. You can't really call a show Picard and have no Picard in it. That would be weird. Please see Taggart, which went on for, I think, longer after Taggart has been killed off than when he was in it. Poor Mark McGannis. 
Do you know um, something though? I had a random conversation with a colleague that completely unexpected about Star Trek, and they told me how much they love Next Generation and how like isn't Picard really good? Like, is it? It's coming back soon, isn't it? And it was like, oh, I am not alone. <laughs> but what I've also been very successful at this week is I feel when you were trekking, you almost like it does become a mission to convert people. It's like. It's like being the Borg or a Jehovah's Witness, or it's got that kind of thing where you're like, "Yes, I, I'm, I'm going to sit you down. I'm going to talk to you about how good Star Trek is and how much you need it in your life." Um, and I feel like I've made it like a minor success from like I'm not watching Star Trek ever, ever, ever to getting a text this afternoon said I'm watching Star Trek on the Horror Channel, and it was no less than Arena. Oh, good lord. Well, oh, why would you want anybody to start with the original series? Well, I thought you would have... A, I, I didn't direct them to that, actually. I thought you would have quite a visceral reaction to that. Lindsay, but, um... <laughs> you were correct. What, what I did, like, what was pointed at their very succinct review was how come when, as soon as he gets back to the ship, he's like, hasn't got a scratch on him and his shirt's been repaired, which, you know, is a is a thing. Um, but apparently it was mildly entertaining. So oh, <laughs> Arena's the one with the Gorn in it, isn't yes. it? So I know I... stuff. I have I have accidental TOS knowledge. So yeah, so so as tradition must be, Kirk's shirt has to rip, but then it magically repairs. So that didn't go considering this is like a first like episode, I felt that was quite astute, but that did feel like it that felt like a little trek victory. In fact, it we... felt like two in a week. That, that that does sound like a Trek victory. I'm Two only going conversions. to be surprised that he like there wasn't Kirk didn't like walk around without his torn shirt for a while before he put on a new one. Because we do sometimes get that when he's like walking around with like his boots and his shirt in his hands for reasons, and then he gets to the bridge and decides to get dressed. Because no, I, I think it was literally a cut from like ripped shirt, like looking rough, to like I'm fine now. <laughs> it never happened. <laughs> the wonders of modern medicine. So now I'm trying to remember this episode. I know it's gone, but it's been about I think about thirty years since I last saw this episode when he was on them BBC Two repeats. So I don't know how long he was actually in a rip shirt for. Somebody, just... somebody, somebody, send in some details as to how long he was in a rip shirt. We'll, 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 uh, we'll make notes. I feel like somebody must have a tally somewhere of in the entirety of the original series. What percentage of time is Kirk without a shirt? What percentage of him? time is he in a ripped shirt and what percentage of time is he dressed appropriately for what the activity he's currently performing and then I think we should compare it to the other captains and then we'll be like we now have empirical evidence that Kirk is inappropriately dressed most of the time or the original series uniforms were just a bit like cheap (laughs) (laughs) yeah they're not made of like Teflon or Kevlar or anything I feel, though, as an introduction to Star Trek as an adult, like William Shatner fighting the Gorn in a quarry and throwing polystyrene <laughs> rocks in it, a ripped shirt, it feels right to me. There was something very right about that. It was like, what? It was like, it's season one, episode 19. I'm like, you know, I, I'm Googling, I'm pretending I know, but I am Googling. Um, and then I made the schoolgirl error of not realising that they hadn't counted the pilot, and sometimes they count the pilot, so what I think the 18 is actually 19, but I, we did get to the... Um... <laughs> She's going too <laughs> much into this. She's going too shame. much into this. Well, that, but this a is real the joy shame. It's not the episode before, because that would have had, like, a gone and a quarry. He's like, no, it is got a gone and a quarry. I'm like, yes! <laughs> Even better. 
okay, so here's the question now. Now that he has seen Gorn and a quarry, do you is fast forward it? Is that the official title? No, it's the official title is Arena. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah, but Gorn and a quarry is a better name. <laughs> so now that he's seen Gorn and a quarry. <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> oh, Do you want me to mute you two now, shall we? <laughs> no, it's fine. So now that he has seen Gordon and a quarry, what is the next step? Because I feel like you almost should like go, so that's what Star Trek was, and this is what Star Trek is, and show him like episode one of Discovery, or Choose Your Pain, or you know, something that is contemporary. Or maybe maybe the one where um the like the church gets transplanted onto a thing in Discovery is it season two? No. And no, Ziggy's like no. no, no. No, he's got to go through the journey. You can't go, you know, start from step one and then go to step two hundred. He's got to go through the journey. You can't. You, you can't expect am, somebody to watch everything. Though. You're not expecting. So, I am. I'm working towards watching Wrath of Khan. That's that's me next like milestone. I think I, I'm like I'm moving towards this step. To be fair, if you enjoyed Gorn and a Quarry. Then you might enjoy Rasmus. I think enjoyed a, a strong word, but okay. But I, I was mildly entertained and vaguely thinks they can remember watching it as a child. So you know, it's not a like it's not a blanket that was terrible. I'm not watching anymore. But I feel like I feel like we need to build up towards Wrath of Khan. That that's going to be an important moment, I think. Okay. So so is this like a building up through the original series, or are you going to like like I just oh I feel like it's like pick. This is always awful. So there's a uh, Trek ranks do a very good job of this, but like pick your favorite episode from every season and show it as a first off to someone. No, Suki is no, like go back no, to the start, no, watch it no, all. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> let him let him pick the episodes that you recommend from each series, and then let him work it. So you you pick a lot of episodes from TOS, and then pick you know just for uh, completion's sake, uh, pick some animated ones. And then go to TNG, and then go on and so on. Just okay, a few so episodes. in chronological he order. A, he gets a flavour of each era as he's going. Okay, that may, yeah, I'm not against that. Otherwise, if you start right at the beginning and you're going through Mouse of the Dross, it's just <laughs> to put him off. If you start him with all the classic episodes and he does come across some Dross, he's just going to go, what the hell? I've only just got the uh, the class. I think I'm I'm going to throw this out to listeners, right? So if I'm indoctrinating someone into the way of Star Trek, like what is my next move here? Like, please, like, let us know in the in the in the comments. Like, just like at us on Twitter, um, leave us a message on Facebook. Like, if I'm indoctrinating someone into the way of, of Star Trek, right, and they have only seen Arena, what is my next move here to like carry on this process? So please let me know. I love it. You know the news I did forget about? There was news this week. This week was Threshold Day, uh, which is the anniversary of the airing of the Star Trek Voyager episode Threshold, which is notorious for being dodgy and also wonderful. Um, so Explain. Just, you, uh, so Threshold is the episode where Warp, uh, so where Tom Paris goes at Warp 10 and turns into a lizard oh. and then kidnaps Janeway and then they end up having lizard babies on a planet. Right. If I think if I say watch this, then it's game over. 
I don't know. It's an award-winning episode. It won an Emmy, I think, for uh, the 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 creative uh, makeup team, uh, the creative effects team. Um, but yes, there's a lot of comedy that comes out of the fact that somewhere in the galaxy there are these three little lizard babies that Tuvok and Chakotay just let vanish and decided that nobody needed to know about. Um, so yes, and then a super yeah. awkward conversation between Janeway and, and Paris uh, in the sick bay afterwards about who hit on who. Um, it's it's awful, but it's also delightful. I I don't hate it. It's funny. <laughs> I I might have stricken that from my memory, but uh, it was a while ago. Uh, talking about Janeway, mm. I watched the sixth episode of Prodigy a few days ago, a couple of days ago, and it's got some really good. It was a great story. I'm just telling you that it was a great story. And then they've got some cameos in there, which I will spoil for anybody. Well, you kind of already have. I, on I know. Okay, all right. Someone did a little bit. Well, that was on Twitter. Nobody, nobody goes onto Twitter at all, do they? Nobody follows us on Twitter, so nobody's going to see my little tweet about what I spoiled on there. But it's some great cameos on there, and I just love that episode. So uh, after that, because of that episode, I've actually got in touch with uh, some Star Trek fans. It's a family of Star Trek fans, family of Star Trek fans, and uh, Steve and Sarah and their two daughters are now going to be reviewing, hopefully, in the next week or so, uh, every episode of Prodigy for us. And because we're at a certain level, a certain age, that we might not be able to appreciate this Prodigy, right? Whereas, oh, don't don't shake your head at me, Lins, right? But they, but Sarah and Steve have got kids at that age where this show is actually aimed at. So hopefully we'll get these episodes as bonus little episodes for the next few weeks. Uh, so you'll be able to enjoy Prodigy through the eyes of Sarah and Steve's kids. We haven't discussed what we're going to call them. We could, should call them like Trek This Outtakes or something. Uh, we we need to we need to reconvene on that. It's obviously it's going to be check this out. The next generation. I like it. Let's do that. Oh, I'm excited, and I'm also excited to hear their opinions. For as much as I love it, you are entirely correct that it is good to hear from the younger people uh, this, whom it is aimed. Well, Andrew's already been going on about it, but Sarah and Steve have been in trying to in, they've been indoctrinating their kids for <laughs> years, right? And that's what they've done. They've, they've turned their kids into Doctor, uh, Star Trek fans, where I can't turn my kids into Doctor Who fans. Your kids talk about Doctor Who occasionally. They watch they watch New Who, don't they? But they I try and get them to watch Classic Who when I was trying to get them to watch Sea Devils today. And no, Dad, I've got to go out. Dad, I've got a party, but it's one o'clock in the morning. I'm going out. I don't care. Gone. I have to say, old who is a much bigger commitment because, like, it seems to take a long time, and yeah. yeah. Well, old who, when you're watching the Sea Devils with the plinky plunky music, it's an experience. <laughs> it's an experience. But you'll see, you'll hear my thoughts on that on an around the console podcast, which hopefully will drop Wednesday or Thursday because I'm editing that one this week as well. Oh gosh, look at you! You are an editor general. Throwing yeah. himself around all of these podcasts. No one at all. Some things never change. I've been called a podcast whore, I have, by my co-house. 
I am Terrible. available for science fiction related podcasts. So just uh, DM me on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get our wares out, don't we? <laughs> Actually, I've also been uh, guesting on, will be in about two weeks, on a, a TV review podcast. And uh, they're going to send me early review copies of uh, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Well, that's exciting. Yeah, so I'll be reviewing that, I think, before it gets shown on whatever it's been shown on, Sky Atlantic, Sky, whatever. And the other one is uh, The Fear Index, which is a Josh Hartnett spy thriller. We'll be getting early uh, early copies of that as well. Is The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air a remake not just called Bel-Air? And is it not very Bel-Air. gritty? Yeah, it's Bel-Air. It's gritty. I saw a trailer for it and I was like, ooh, ooh, okay. And they, they dropped some, like... Yeah, all I, like I'm just in my head. I'm singing the theme song over all this stuff, and I'm like, oh, play. The uh, the Bel Air, what the producer in the producer? The the original trailer came out was done by uh, somebody straight out of film school or something like that, mm. if I remember correctly. And then he was picked up by Will Smith or social media, and then he was pointed out to Will Smith, and Will Smith went back to this chap and goes, oh, that's an excellent take on it. And that he got hired, and then they got the studio involved, and then that's why there's now a series of uh, Bella, which, you know, yeah. if you get your ideas out there, somebody will notice it. The internet is not all bad, people. The internet is not all bad. Although I have this week tried to start using Tumblr, and I feel like I'm too old to learn how to use a new social media platform. It confuses me greatly. Um, I had a brief flirtation with Tumblr and then I decided that it wasn't for me. (laughs) Well, I I kind of, I got in touch with somebody through um, like the world of fanfic writing um, who is involved in community on Tumblr the way that we are involved in community on Twitter, I think is probably the way to to describe it. Um, So if I wanted to have a conversation with her, it had to be kind of via Tumblr. because she'd hunted me down and found me because I did have an account there. Um, and it's just it's very odd. I know, it's very odd. Anyway, moving swiftly on from what is not a very interesting point, uh, shall we talk about some people's thoughts? That's an yes. excellent idea. <laughs> So we've had a couple of people speaking about the fact that they haven't had a chance to watch the episode yet or they just haven't got around to it, including the lovely Deb. Hello, Deb. Um, and I, I think that's quite interesting because I think, so we took a little break over Christmas because it suited us because the world was complicated. Um, but it, I do think that mid-season breaks sometimes feel really odd. And you're kind of like, oh, right, there's no, there's none this week. And then you kind of get out of the habit. And if you've missed a couple, then it all just feels a bit, strange however hopefully people will know that stuff is starting back when is it starting back Suki you know these things February 20 something and there you go you put me on the spot and I have no idea I'm sorry that's is awful. it that late I thought it was like next week or something it probably is next week but I'll put on the spot I have no idea I'll find out once I had the seventh in my head but I could have totally made that date up I think it might be the seventh it's interesting because of this mid-season break thing, it's not something you get in British TV, is it? No. It, it's like being a new, and I think I think Star Trek Discovery is the first time it's really kind of 
impacted on my watching of something because typically I think even if there had been mid-season breaks we were always behind so we didn't actually have to wait for those episodes and I also think we're so used to that like that binge watching culture like an entire season drops and you just watch it start to finish so so I, I think we've kind of we've got out of the habit not just of watching broadcast telly but like of like waiting for telly so, yeah and I'm really aware. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Sophie. I was going to say, it happens quite often in America where they've split shows. It, Breaking Bad's one example, Sopranos was another example. But over here, as you says, Britain, it doesn't happen. And it, and it was a shut, um, this, uh, this break that we've had for Discovery, it was at short notice as well, because we were having weekly episodes, and then all of a sudden they go, we're going to have a break. It wasn't actually announced until like a week or two weeks before that that seventh episode dropped so it was just a bit weird why we had this sort of break for the... so do we think it was maybe covid related and that they had hit uh produ- because everything's taking longer to to do post-production they've, on they've already filmed all these episodes no they? but it's the post-production isn't it so i know that there was something else where they'd paused because they'd they'd basically hit the point whereby they couldn't get everything through post-production fast enough oh it might be that might be it then um, but I yeah, no, season breaks it, used to be quite common. I wondered if it was a timing thing to do a launch on Paramount Plus. But <gasps> is that that going to mean that the last episodes it's going to be available and those last episodes? I don't know. I'd need to look at the logistics of that. But when you you know when uh, Paramount Plus is going to be dropping? Didn't you put it down on one of your tweets somewhere sometime in March, Andrea? I'm not sure. You're not sure. I'm, oh. not, I'm not guilty for that. But well, I was just wondering if that's like, is that part of that that rollout of Paramount Plus? I can't imagine that they would be crazy enough to say that. Like one that's only outside of the outside of North America, and we all know how much they think of us as a market. Um, Obviously, yeah. they do think of us as a market because they're stuck it on Pluto TV, whatever that was. Yeah, only when there was like you know mass. uproar. Yeah, that's mass gotta uproar. Be, that's got to be impacting on people watching it though, because that's not on demand, is it? That's like you watch it in the time slot it's on, yeah. and we have kind of drifted away from that broadcast telly. So unless you're like sourcing it by other means, um, which we won't go into, um, maybe people are kind of getting lost off with it because it's not as convenient as you're on Netflix. It can come out on whatever time but you can watch it as and when you you have the chance and you want to yeah i think it's going to be interesting because when paramount plus does launch so so as somebody who lives on their own and can only watch so much tv simultaneously i already feel like i struggle to justify the number of streaming services i have if i'm going to start um paramount plus like i'm gonna have to try and like wean myself off of something else (laughs) and i think I think lots of people are going to be in that scenario. However, that is just the nature of, of media at the moment. Um, so according to my sneaky research, um, the next episode drops on February 10th. Does that sound yep. about right? Yeah, it does. It does. February okay. 10th. Um, so, yeah, we've got another week. Um, and then we are back with a vengeance. Um, I think once we get back into the routine, hopefully people will get a chance to watch in the run up to that. And we'll, we'll feel ready for where the story is taking us. Yes, Deb. Yeah, get watching. Next uh, bit of feedback from Ben uh, PM 
you know, that was on uh, Facebook. And he's put, uh, this season has been the best trek since Voyager. I feel like Michael's character has flip-flopped and changed in sloppy ways since the show began. But now, now they've finally nailed it, and I love her as a captain. That scene in episode seven, where she helps convince the majority to choose diplomacy, was Trek gold. Cheers, Ben. That was a good episode. And I, I think he's he's Ben's right that her character has been more consistent laterally. Like, I think they've found the space that they want her to be in, um, which is good. We like that. This, the other thing here as well, uh, right at the beginning when Discovery was first launched, they purposely went out of... Per, they said, purposely, they said that this, is going, this show was going to be seen through the eyes of somebody that wasn't a captain, you know, a commander... But it turns out it was an actually a fugitive that was being brought on uh, in the eyes of Michael, basically. But now, three three seasons, four seasons later, it's now it's another show with a captain at the head of the year, uh, uh, the head of the show, like basically. So they've changed over all that time just to make sure put Cap, uh, Captain Burnham as the lead instead of consultant Burnham. Burnham. I do kind of feel like. They've always the main character in Star Trek has always been the captain, really, hasn't it? And mm. I felt almost like they wanted to do it differently, but didn't really know how to do it differently. So I think, particularly in those first two seasons, they wanted Michael to be the main character, but they brought in a headliner captain to kind of make it be okay. And I almost wish they hadn't done that. And I know I'm cutting my own nose after spite my face there, especially for season one, but also season two. But actually, it was like almost like they kind of wanted to do that and then and then it was a bit of a cop-out. I think they really struggled in the first couple of seasons because, and this, this is where people got frustrated about Burnham having to be at the centre of everything and at the root of everything because it logically didn't always make sense for her to be involved in the plot. So therefore they had to make her be involved in the plot because she was in charge. Whereas... When the, when the captain is your primary central character, the captain is involved in everything. So therefore, even if you have to bend the rules a bit about why they go on the away mission or why they are the ones who do whatever, they are kind of intrinsically involved in everything that happens on the ship. Whereas uh, when she was a fugitive and a consultant, or even when she was a member of the crew, but not actually part of whatever, the, it, there was just this constant drive to make her the centre of the show. Um, and now that she's captain, they've kind of taken her foot off the gas on that front because she's the captain and she's at the centre of the show. Um, so I don't know if it's, I don't know that anybody could say that Discovery was an example of how you successfully have a character who is not in command lead the show, whereas Lower Decks does that incredibly successfully. Like, it is possible to do it. You just have to come at it a very different way, I think. The way Lower Decks, they still have that uh, dynamic of the bridge crew getting involved in whatever's happening. Uh, but uh, yeah, you're right. It does. It's better on Lower Decks how they've uh, used that sort of uh, dynamic to be able to show the, uh, tell the stories on there. And they've also used a group of four characters. So therefore, the, it makes sense for the one who is involved in engineering to be involved in the engineering plot and the one who is involved with science to be involved. Like, they, they, they seem to have, between the four characters, there is much more logical reason for them to be involved in whatever they want to do. And I think that that works. Whereas 
Burnham was everything and everyone because they had to get her involved. So anyway, that was a very short review and a lot of us talking about it. <laughs> but thank you, Ben. Cheers, Ben. Yeah, so we've got um, Jack McMorrow, who's got uh, some fairly detailed reviews of each episode, so, so we'll just look at one at a time. Um, so the first one is The Examples, which was episode five. Um, Jane rates power references and take back in the first minute. Oh, I need to put down splash-proof sheets. Cue reference a bit later too. I'm glad 32nd century Starfleet has, has go-to virtues of evacuate the planet. The lack of the, that virtue cost Starfleet the resignation of Admiral Picard. Glad they learned. Although evacuation of a planet in 210 minutes, even when Picard, even given the Picard argument, I'd probably say, well, they're fucked, aren't they? Uh, only 1,206 people, but still. Saying Saru has the strangest feet? Yes, I want Saru to hoof people, but I think the Tark has already annoyed Dr. Paul Stamets and Saru, so I'm also annoyed at that cocky rising fool. The DMA hasn't entirely got the look of a, killer, a planet killer. In fact, it looks more like something from Star Trek, the motion picture. The anti-death penalty message, I 1000% agree with, but it's a bit ham-fisted in its portrayal. Then again, it's the start of a whole converse, conversation. The whole argument couldn't possibly fit into... I can't see the bottom. <laughs> into a 51-minute episode. episode. Thank you all. Right, because of the way that I sent these messages into our little group, He's actually continued, right? So I do apologise, but if you go back to the top, oh yeah, just above Ben, yeah, and then just read back down again, you'll see what I mean. Right. I'll keep all this in because it's my incompetence <laughs> of uh, sending messages and photos and stuff. It's terrible. Technology, people. It turns out it's not our friend. No, it's not, definitely not my friend. It hasn't been this week, but with all the editing and stuff. So it's a bit obvious Teague's shots were shot separately to everyone else's and composited in. That might just be apparent to people like me with the abundant geek knowledge of filming. It's my first degree. And given the circumstances, it's unavoidable, but is unfortunately a reminder of this, the crappiest timeline. There's no way that that main prison guy, Felix, didn't hide the ball for three decades without putting it up his arsehole. Oh it's called suitcasing. I've never been inside, but I've lived with people from Middlesbrough, so same difference. <laughs> Overall, a bit ham-fisted and definitely has flaws, but very enjoyable. Made me ask my two counsellor friends if there's no limit on counselling sessions someone can conduct in a short order. This episode gets a firm 3.7 giant heat rate eye hamsters out of five. <laughs> Thank you, okay. There's some graphic imagery there. Yeah, we managed to not talk about where he'd hidden the, the space tree ball thing, uh, which I don't know is a bad thing, really. Oh. Um, <laughs> I'm claiming that is a moral victory for, for podcasters everywhere. Um, I do kind of agree about that motion picture-y look. It's kind of like a weird, like, crayon-y eye thing. Like, I, I can see that, definitely. Um, Which makes you feel that maybe they're trying to reference something from that era. Because otherwise... Why go for that aesthetic, Yeah, yeah. Although we, we did discuss last week that the, the tree people, family, the, the tree people, the family trees were also a little on the George side, so maybe they've just been struggling. Um, I think I think that's possible. It's also interesting talking about where you can see things that might have been done for COVID-related reasons. Um, and I think 
I think you're right. I am actually like I, I I can see where there might be like you know plot lines that have clearly been filmed together and there's character groupings that have been like filmed together and things like that. Like I I can see places where Discovery has chosen to do that. However, I'm also watching other things where for very valid reasons because the average age of the cast is much higher because they've got crew people who have underlying conditions like you know or cast members with underlying conditions. They've taken much more extreme measures when filming. Um, and like nobody gets very close to anybody like you yeah. know somebody falls over and you get like a, a cut away to somebody going oh and like reaching forward but nobody ever actually makes contact um, and you understand why I'm not the most observant of people around these things quite often unless there's like tight trousers involved and I tend to like miss it <laughs> but um but I tight trousers I, tight shots I didn't notice that and I don't tend to, unless it's really obvious, I can remember seeing like very early on, like like daft like soaps or something, like you'd see like five minutes of Hollyoaks and everyone's clearly like standing in really random places in the room and you're like, yeah, no one has that conversation standing like that. I can kind of see what you're doing. Um, but certainly with stuff like this, I, yeah, it passes me by. I don't notice that. No, I'll, I'll try and look. No, I have noticed it more and more regularly now on shows that I've been watching. You'll see a, a room where normally, a room full of people, but normally you'd see them all close together and chatting away quite close. But then, I mean, I think it happened to uh, Culver and um, uh, David Cronenberg's character. They're, they're on opposite sides of the room normally. They would just be close together and they just shot it tight. It's just, it's it's more noticeable now in these last series than it has been in all the in other shows. I, I still think Discovery are, are doing a pretty good job of it. And I think it doesn't pull me out too regularly. Um, whereas in this other show, which may be called The Midwife, um, I am regularly pulled out. And, and I absolutely understand why they're doing it. I think they're doing it for the right reasons. I'm not in any way saying they shouldn't be doing taking the measures that they are taking. But it does pull me out on the regular because I'm just like oh somebody give that person a hug or like yeah it just it feels very very different anyway moving yeah. on from my call the midwife segue yeah we'll go on to uh Jack's uh next uh review for which is for uh episode eight no uh, which one is it six sorry episode six, six stormy weather stormy weather and Jack has put for this Star Trek has made 11 spin-offs not including the films or the original series judging from this episode and others I'm so up for a show where David Ayala and Anthony Rapp just improv every episode the book of rap only on Paramount Plus and if you live anywhere else along uh, Stamets is chief engineer on arguably the most bleeding edge starship in the 23rd and 32nd centuries, but says he doesn't know how to delegate. They wouldn't even let me get away with that on my first day as a cinema supervisor. The big story of Buck and his dad genuinely interests me. I hope this story doesn't go to Mandeville like the Detmer has PTSD storyline last season. Although it's weird that people outside of it see Buck talking to no one and saying although it's weird that people outside of it see book talking to no one and saying nothing at first i wasn't sure about the characters beaming within the ships to other rooms but given how much society revolves around various modes of transport now it isn't too big too big a stretch to say we'll be doing that in a millennium michael tells zora to switch off life support without checking everyone is in the transport buffer 
<laughs> Actually, why didn't Zora just suggest everyone go in the buffer? As from this episode's perspective, it worked for Scotty 700 years before her. TNG relics. Well, the other guy did die, but you'd think in 700 years, someone will make that procedure work safely. I wasn't too appreciative of this episode overall. Broadly speaking, it is just so frustrating that the crew spent 46 minutes investigating what the DMA is, but come up with the same number of answers as examples of integrity in number 10. Oh, my God. <laughs> Still, every season of every show has filler episodes. See the dire unforgettable in the otherwise great Voyager season four. That's how to bait Lindsay, you know, I'm going to <laughs> Anyway, hopefully this was Discovery seasons for season four's unforgettable. I'm here for the long run and 821 episodes and 13 films in. It's a bit late now, not to like uh, Trek. All told, two grudges taking up an entire step out of five. Cheers for that, Jack. I, I, I feel like Lindsay should, should come back on this Voyager episode because controversy. Um, there is some controversy. Um, what I mostly remember about this episode is the fact that it's called Unforgettable, and I have had several conversations with Voyager fans about the fact that the episode itself is very forgettable. Um, I think it has to do with somebody arriving who claims that they know probably Chakotay because he's he's often the one with the, the it's either it's either going to be Chakotay or Harry because there's like a dodgy love interest that you can't remember, um, and it all gets very complicated, um, and there's mind games and stuff. Um, it's not the greatest. However, I will agree that season four is full of lots of very good episodes of Voyager. If you're only going to watch one episode, one episode, one series, one season of Voyager, it should probably be four. Maybe. Let me come back to you on that. <laughs> um, in terms of other things, uh, he said he makes many valid points. I I thought they did check that everybody was in the buffers before they did it. I'm sure. I'm sure there was a she checked that, but I could I could be wrong. Probably oh, one of these off one. off uh, scenes that weren't actually uh, filmed. Yeah, I just made it up in my head for reasons. What about the spin-off for a uh, book of rap? <laughs> I like the title. I think it's very good. I yeah, you you know what? If you tried hard enough, you could make a spin-off for almost any character in Trek. Like I would love to see a Saru spin-off where he just like is like going out and doing ambassadorial shit. Or I would love to see. I still would love to see. Um, a season at uh, Star Trek Medical, Starfleet Medical. I think that would be excellent. Um, maybe under the gaze of uh, Beverly Crusher, she could be in charge. Um, and Or maybe, you know, the EMH could be there. Anyway. Um, Grey's Anatomy in space. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I probably wouldn't pick Book as my favourite. But, you know, that's just me personally. We shall see. I think they've got to be careful because I think there is an oversaturation point and they do have to they're going to have to pick carefully going forward how they do it so i think a spin-off of picard like we were talking about earlier would make quite a lot of sense if they want to keep going on in that time period we do need something maybe in the 23rd century um of which we are all fondly associated but there isn't so much going on at the moment other than lower decks um yes but yeah um uh, yes i I'm unconvinced, but other people may be more intrigued. I do think there's 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 a and I'm worrying they're kind of getting towards that critical mass where there's so much at once. Like I can remember it feeling like a really big deal 
that there were two Star Trek series kind of overlapping. It was like, oh my God, there's like two lots of it. Like, what the hell? Um, and that felt like quite a lot. And now you look around and you think, well, we've got Discovery and we've got Prodigy and we've got Lower Decks and we've got Strange New Worlds and we've got Picard and there might be a Section 31 series. And it, it, it feels like it's it has the potential to turn into a bit of a monster. And I think there has been this push in sort of television film, like everything's building a universe, isn't it? Um, and there's already a universe around Star Trek that was built up over a really long period of time. But now it's like there's phase one, there's phase two, there's phase three. And everything has to be like that now. Everything's a franchise. There's no like one off film anymore. It's like, yeah, and then they're going to, you know, they, they're going to make a film about the dog that was watching events from an alley. Like, <laughs> you know, and, and to the point where like it gets a bit silly. But there is already that universe, so I don't think there's the need to world build in the same way to have that impact. Um, and I'm not complaining about there being lots of Star Trek, but I do kind of worry that like it might go too far. So I think the danger is that as soon as anything ends, they're going to try and plug the hole. Um, and we know that sometimes that works really well because, you know, you get... You know, you got DS9 kind of came in and then Voyager, came, like those work quite well. But then we got to the end of Voyager and Enterprise arrived and it was not perhaps perfect. Um, although I love Enterprise, in hindsight, I didn't at the time. I still thought was, that was because it was on Channel 4. Was there not a gap between Voyager and Enterprise? Or is that in my head? I don't think that there was. I don't think they overlapped because DS9 started before TNG finished and Voyager obviously started partway through DS9. Mm. So they'd kind of overlapped. And then I think. Voyager ended. Ended, and then and then there was and then there was Enterprise. So there might have been a gap, but I don't think it was you know years and years. No. Um, I think yeah, it's going to be interesting how they manage it. I think that's going to be really crucial. I think I'm really keen for like I'm enjoying Discovery a lot, and I'm I'm kind of I'm intrigued to know whether they're aiming for seven series, or whether they're aiming for five, or I suspect they're aiming for more than five, given that we know we're getting at least five now. Mm. But I would much rather they thought about it now and figured out where they were going. Like, I'm quite excited about Picard because they knew they were doing three series. Or three seasons. Sorry, I'm using all all the wrong terminology today. Because um, I think that means that hopefully we'll get an arc that makes sense within those three seasons. See, with the Discovery, they seem to be planning a season only in advance, which is what's... Uh, the disjointed uh, thing about Discovery at the moment, because you started off with one certain uh, a certain thing in Discovery, where by, by the time it comes to season four, that everything's totally different. They're in a different century. They're, they're, they've got a souped-up uh, spaceship. They've, they've, uh, the captain's gone as well. They've got a new captain, basically. So the, they, they seem to us, if that is, they'd have got like a set timeline right at the beginning from season one, how they were going to plan six, seven seasons of it, then maybe, yeah, it would have gone into better progression and a better um, storytelling mode that everybody would be fully on board with. But because they're only planning a season at a time, it's more disjointed, more, it's more jarring each season as you come back. And I just, like, I, I look at it and I go, no, like, you, they can't possibly think that they're not going to make season six now. Like, unless, heaven forbid, somebody goes under a bus or somebody is accused of a horrific crime. Like I can't I can't see Discovery suddenly tanking. 
so I don't know like it would make sense to me that they just and maybe they have intellectually maybe the writers know you know thinking about think about having another three seasons um but yeah it will it, it's interesting I think we shall just have to wait and see but I would rather that they didn't have another three spin-offs and that maybe they just kind of maybe after Picard finishes have something else come in but let's just breathe and that I say that and the next spin-off will be about Janeway or the Voyager crew post Delta Quadrant and I'll be like super excited oh. and I'll be like she has you know uh, what's her name uh, Janeway uh, Kate, Kate McGrew yeah, she's actually put someone up on Facebook uh, mm-hmm. with some uh, figures was it on Facebook or on Twitter uh, she's got some uh, little um, uh, you know little character uh, figures that you, you they sell and uh, she goes something exciting about to happen so and it was like a mirror so maybe there's a mirror universe, or maybe they're just making a model of her. Uh, there's a crazy good Janeway doll. I say crazy good. It's also really unnerving. I get really freaked out by really good models. Also, really bad models because they look like they're deformed or some kind of I don't know. It's, it looks terrifying. Possessed corpses. Um, but yes, I saw some lovely pictures over Christmas of people receiving their very impressive Janeway dolls slash mannequins slash. I don't know what do you call these little things. <clears throat> you can tell I'm not a collector, can't action you? Action figures. Action not figures. The, there you not go. A doll. It's an action figure. Okay. Terribly yeah, yeah, yeah. Action figures, but they come with like different hands and stuff, with like holding different things. So you can have her holding a coffee cup or a phaser, which I quite like. Um, and it looks like it's made really nicely. So yeah, no, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Um. So. Uh, Jack McMorrow has also sent us a lovely review for uh, episode seven. Oh, Suki has thoughts. Suki's no, 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 no. I've just found out what Kate Mulgrew meant about uh, uh, she had an action figure uh, staring into the mirror. It's because she's now on Star Trek Online and she's voicing both Admiral Janeway and Mirror Universe Marshal Janeway in this new story on Star Trek Online. Oh, which so is interesting, because the only Mirror Janeway we've seen up until now has been in the comic, you know, like in the graphic novels, because um, there is no Mirror Universe Voyager. Which seems like a shame, because I'm a big fan of those episodes. Well, we never got Next Generation Mirror. Like DS9 really ran with Mirror Universe, but no one else did in that era, so... I think they did too much of it, though. I think that's maybe why... <laughs> They got a bit excited and they did too much of it. I think. No, no, we didn't see T. Like we haven't seen TNG either. Oh, I thought. Like, okay. I I think I think um, Patrick Stewart would have quite enjoyed getting to play Mirror Picard. I think that would have been quite fun. I would have I enjoyed seeing that. So uh, if anybody goes to our uh, Twitter timeline, I have actually retweeted the uh, the video that they've got for a uh, uh, Kate Mulgrew as Admiral Janeway and Mirror uh, Marshal Janeway. So you'll see that on our Twitter feed. Have a look at that. I can also imagine Kate Mulgrew's had quite a lot of fun with that. I suspect playing evil is something she would enjoy greatly. Um, right. So returning to Jack. Um, so uh, episode seven, but to connect. Uh, just saw this New Year's Day review, Party Animal. Um, a very intriguing episode. Star Trek has a history of bottle episodes being fairly standout. Enterprise's Shuttlepod 1 and Deep Space Nine's, Nine's duet are outstanding examples. As a piss take, I named my Wi-Fi box Skynet. Um, I think this episode does what the whole show and arguably the entire Trek franchise, franchise does best. 
It starts dialogue on a tough and somewhat not spoken subject. In this case, the rights of an AI once it achieves sentience. Although I must say it is weird that nearly a millennium after it was definitively proven that both Theta and the Doctor are AIs with sentience, why are Starfleet acting like there isn't a massive precedent for this issue? The Booker B plot kind of dovetails into the A plot in places, but for whatever reason, doesn't seem to fully gel mesh into it. The optimistic Trekkie in me wants to say that it's planting the seeds for season four, part two. David Ayala continues to not only have acting skills which astonish even this jaded soul, but in an episode where he does little but brood, he is he still easily shows why I'm right and he's the first and only choice to be the new James Bond. Ooh, interesting. Um, also, Book and the arsehole from Ryza briefly bring up that he worked with someone in the Mirror Universe. Chances are slim, but what if this one is Prime Lorca? Uh, going into a mid-season finale, I hoped for more of a cliffhanger than Booker runs off with a replica with a with replica grudge uh, something like michael sees 10 cubes off screen saying resistance is futile but i'm certainly coming back for the next one in february overall a solid 3.16 borg cybermen hybrids out of five would rewatch despite the flaws i feel like there's a little bit of a uh, little bit of bait in there for me um <laughs> the only problem with that is it should be timeline wise like prime locker would be like like bare ancient um i'm not going to put a number on that so <laughs> yeah so i i think legit much as i want that to be true I, I think logistically i'm kind of struggling to like make that make any sense um or you've got some more time travely shenanigans going on but you know the girl lives in hope that one day yeah i will be back i'll be back <laughs> Well, there was there was that uh, interesting uh, afterward. So never say never. Um, did we not? He was he a sta- was he working with somebody from another universe or was he working? Oh, I, I, it's all very confusing. We will find out more in not too long now. I, I'm sure the conversation kind of went like, no, not, not the mirror universe. There's other ones, you know. Like, <laughs> but is that just because he's like bare, like dodgy, and he's like, yeah. So, but much as I want that to be Locker about to pop up and go hi I'm back I'm 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 not that optimistic that that's like imminent but you know yes and Mr Isaacs is quite busy these days so there's no there's no obvious space for him to have snuck off to to North America North North America to film a thing um, although Wait. with Green Sea, screen he's there. He's there. He's there. From... I was going to say he's there. He's filming Good Sam at the moment. So okay, he... is that is that a, is that a Canada one too? Everything's filming in Canada these days. He's probably is Klaus Boy. Okay, he's in Toronto, I think. I think he's filming in Toronto, so he could be like... Dev. Dev will know exactly. She'll have like. Deb's got his GPS position. <laughs> that was exactly what I was thinking. I was like, I don't want to call her that much of a stalker, even though I suspect she would know. <laughs> Bless. We love you, Deb. Um, said with love. Absolutely. Always said with love. Um, and a little fear. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we move on to Tom Turlow? <clears throat> is it me? It is. It is. Right, so Tom says, well, I finally managed to catch up with the most recent episodes, though not entirely regular me by... Oh, I'll see. Well, we'll we'll say no more about that. So I'll throw in my two penny worth. Rather than analyse each episode in detail, I've just given my thoughts about where Discovery is at this season midpoint. 
This series feels like a bit of a letdown, to be honest. I enjoyed the first couple of years a lot. They were arguably my favourite non-film trick. But since the big jump forward in time, they seem to have lost some impetus. The current series is okay, and the central MacGuffin, the big black hole, is a bit more intriguing than last year's burn. But there seems to be a lot of hanging around and talking rather than the sort of action you want to see. The only mildly interesting new character is Tarka the Otter, or whatever he's called. And at least he's doing something a bit different and interesting. Everyone else is endlessly earnest and saccharine. I'm British. I want cynicism and sarcasm, not hugging and emoting. I'm sort of sorry to see Tilly's gone, but I'm glad that the teenage lovebirds, Adira and Grey, are heading off to Trill. I'm not too old and heartless. I'm too old and heartless to care about their relationship. Hopefully things will step up the gear once the new episodes start appearing in February. I'm really flagging with this series and hope everything becomes a lot more exciting on the back on the back half of season four. My commitment to this show is faltering badly. My mark for the season so far, two and a half lights out of five. Um, I definitely think there's some things in there that I've like, I'm, I'm not against it, but I've not massively invested in, in, a, in a teen romance. So I can, I can see where someone's coming from with that. Um, there's ups and downs for me, I think. And I think if you caught us on the wrong day, I could kind of buy into quite a lot of that. Yeah, me too. And I think this is maybe, maybe it's an affect of the season break. Maybe it's not. But like, I do struggle a little bit. Like, where have we got so far this season? We've got Book has lost his planet and is very upset. We've got Grey's got his body back. We've got a mystery. And we've got like, like they're just it. It doesn't. It doesn't. It feels like it's taken us seven episodes to get here. Yeah, I, I did tell you at the beginning of the, the last episode that we recorded when we did our own little reviews. This season is not working for me as well as it should be, and mm-hmm. there was just bits in there that just driving me insane. And Tom here is, is he's I think he's on the same page as I am. He, he's probably he's probably like me. Watched this series grow and grow, get bigger and bigger. And there've been certain bits in it that's just been excellent, but this this latest series just seems to be treading water. It doesn't seem to be going forward too much, uh, and if it does, it then seems to slide back again. And it, that's what's really winding me up about it. It should be if they knew that if they had this mid-season break coming up as expected, I didn't think that mid-season break would be Book and uh, Tarka. Talk of the Otter going off in the spaceship and causing Michael some grief. I didn't think that was. I thought it was going to be something you, massive. Do you think it's kind of missing those? You know those big like, oh my god! Like I, I'm not really like getting those more. Like I think back to season one, and there were a lot of those like, what the hell? Like what's just happened there? Like uh, like, and I don't. I, I think it's good in places and it's enjoyable in places, and I feel that you know I've invested in these characters for a long time. And there's things that it's not that I don't like it, but I I feel like it's almost missing them. And I know what you're saying about that end of season cliffhanger. It didn't fit and it came out of nowhere. Or yeah. it was just like and boom, that's happened. And it's like, oh, okay. But but it didn't come out of nowhere because they did set it up. Like I don't know that it was big enough to carry the end of a season break. But like they like they've been speaking about the new spore drive. We got introduced to Tarko the Otter three episodes beforehand. Like book has been building to this for a long time like i i do think that it has come from somewhere and they put effort into it 
for me, I've suddenly, like if I go back and look at what we've had so far, I suddenly realised that the plot hasn't been very high stakes, despite the fact that we've got this planet killer, because realistically we know that the show isn't letting multiple planets every week be destroyed. And I don't feel like we've had enough character beats, enough character development across the board to justify the lack of action. Yeah, if that makes sense. Um, So like Book and Burnham have had a lot of time and investment, but we haven't seen nearly so much of quite a lot of people. Um, Like even like even um, Culber and Stamets, we haven't actually seen, like we've had a little scene with them together and we've seen a lot of Hugh speaking mostly to Book, but we haven't, like, yeah, I just, I feel like, yeah, I, I, I would agree. I think the second half of the season might might save it, but at the moment... I'm hoping it will. I'm hoping it, because the, they've now got all the, the world, the, the arc building in place now, got it, and now they've got to kick in with the action and uh, more suspense, more uh, crew dynamics and stuff like that. That will really make it more interesting for us to be able to watch it and go, yep, yeah, that's a wow moment from same, same as Andrew says from season one. That's another wow moment. That's another wow moment. That's what they need to do for these next six, seven episodes or however much we've got left. So two things. One, I forgot to mention Saru got a girlfriend, which is super important and excellent plot development, and I do love it. So actually, there was a moment. Mm. Um, and I think there's another piece of, like, I'm quite interested. Like, there hasn't been nearly so much high, like, high quality graphics that I think we've been used to. So whether they're doing it on a smaller budget or whether they're saving it all for the like the second half, like whether we're going to get some absolutely epic stuff, I feel like we're maybe. Maybe I'm imagining that, but I don't feel like we've seen so many jaw-dropping bits of because, like, even the flame, the flame things on the bridge, where, like, it's like those came out of the eighties. Like, somebody set up some flamethrowers on the bridge, and every time something goes wrong, we suddenly get flames shooting up the edge, like the side of the bridge. It makes no sense. I've got to be honest. When we've been watching it in the house, like that has been pointed out. Like Michael said that a few times. That like, it looks cheaper. Yeah, and I think it. I think it does. Oh, it does. It absolutely does. So either there's something going on money-wise or they have absolutely like banked it for the second half of the season because they're doing cray-cray stuff. The other thing as well, because this is these are actors that are now in their fourth season. Yeah, oh, they may well be paying them. the actors more. Yeah, <laughs> they've got to keep them in place and because they've got to keep them in place, it's got to come out of the budget. Yeah. So maybe they've got less money to spend. Because I wonder... That so was Mary Wiseman left. Well, no, I was going to say, I wonder if they've gone for a CGI race. So if they've gone for a purely CGI race to be behind all of this, that'll cost a lot in time and effort, I would have thought. And that might explain some of it too. Because, you know, we keep talking about the galactic edge um, and, you know, something that we haven't seen before, things that we don't know. So that would be quite interesting. I wonder if maybe that could be a thing. We shall see. If it's we just a big see. stupid fucking lamp, I'm going to be disappointed now, Lindsay. I feel like you've built it up to like. Right, I'm not saying anything just because stuff. <laughs> you know stuff. Certain frog. That's uh, a world's e- world's end reference for for anyone who. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> we, shall, we shall find out. But yeah, no, I think I think there are some valid things there, and I think we 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 would agree that this is the series has not perhaps the season has not perhaps grabbed us the way it might have done so far. You shouldn't worry about series season. We're British. We'll call it series. Whatever. I know, but it. in the Star Trek world, it gets confusing. Because Discovery has captured us as a series, it's just the season hasn't. Uh, we've got one final piece of feedback, and that's from uh, Dave from the Doctor Who show, and, it's, uh, and he says, "Hello, um, apologise, apologies for missing the deadline for episode four, but that was a fun episode which I enjoyed. This is actually, uh, I'm just before we carry on. This is for the examples." Uh, so we're going on to episode five, best of the season so far. The examples did a great job of using individuals to make us care about the high concept space danger. And the show continues to neatly drop new information about the flux to keep us interested. Some exciting, <laughs> that's a crossover there, some <laughs> exciting adventures, some touching scenes and a real feeling that this was traditional Star Trek with a budgie. Anthony Rapp shows when given the uh, chance that he really is the most experienced actor in the show. The, pre the president wasn't anywhere to be seen and my crush had things to do. So the good things kept coming. 4.3 lights. Cheers That's probably that, the David. most positive review we've had of, uh, of that episode. Mm. Well, I quite, uh, the three we, we reviewed last time, I, I quite enjoyed that. It felt very... It felt like the story moved on, but it felt like it had a, a, a kind of strong, almost like a traditional Star Trek plot running through it. I, I quite enjoyed that as an episode, and I think as a as a standalone episode, it's one you could probably sit down and watch at other points. Um, yeah, which is a rarity in Discovery. Like, there's not like unless you're really familiar with it, there's not many episodes that really do stand alone. Certainly recently. <laughs> I've seen, I've seen Choose Your Pain like 500 times for reasons. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I've watched Choose Your Pain quite a lot too for similar but slightly less wholesome reasons, maybe. No. Um, oh, there were no wholesome reasons in this house. True facts. <laughs> dear me, dear me. Oh dear. Um, I, had to, I had to make a cow house blush. <laughs> Oh, Suki, you know us so well now, you shouldn't be surprised by any of this. No, reason. I'm not surprised at all, you know. I knew as soon as they mentioned it, choose, choose your pain, I thought, okay, prepare to uh, feel embarrassed. And <laughs> is, one? is it Lethe as well? I've seen Lethe yeah. a lot of times for reasons. Yeah. What, the one where he sleeps fully dressed? Yeah, uh, yeah, that one of my greatest Star Trek disappointments <laughs> is why is, he, why is he in bed in his trousers? I feel like there's an interesting topic on uh, Captain's sleeping habits, uh, given Janeway wanders around in silk nighties. Um, Picard definitely sleeps topless quite a lot, I seem to recall. And um, then he's got his little jammy look as well. He's got them like jammies he wears sometimes. With a plunging V. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how to uh, say anything or comment on what you fairly just talking about because <laughs> I've not really noticed the sleeping attire of my cat. Have we ever seen Ben Sisko in his pajamas? No, because I, I never know. used to watch DS9 that much. So you I'm tell me. Tell me. The Trek world. Do we ever see Ben Sisko in his pajamas? <laughs> what kind of pajamas are there? Is he a, I feel like he might be a silk man. I can see him like in a, an emerald or like a, a deep um, sort of JD green silk, like old school style set, like I think 1930s. Yeah, I think he would look good in those. Moving on. <clears throat> 
that was the uh, end of our feedback there. So uh, we'd love to hear some more thoughts on what we've just talked about. But we, our next episode will be in a our regular episode will be in a couple of weeks' time. But in the meantime, please do look out for uh, the the uh, the family that we've got coming on. Steve and Sarah and their kids when they talk about Prodigy. Is there anything else, ladies, you want to say? I don't think so. I think that's, I think I have um, emptied me tank as a traditional um, track this out comment. <clears throat> oh dear, the important things. Right, okay. Right, well that's all for from us for this week. Um, just hang on your hats and get ready for the second section of season Four, God, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm losing track of my numbers here. Um, not good when you talk maths, is it? Right, but um, thank you for listening, um, and we'll be back again soon. So that's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye, goodbye from us. us. <laughs> <laughs> well, bye, 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 bye. Bye, bye. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> pressure, the pressure. <laughs> Might also be in Sydney.